welcome to Kingdom Over Everything. I am your host and Chief Fire Igniter, Shea Bine. And I have with me one of my favorite people on the planet, I must say. She really doesn't need an introduction, but we're going to give her one. Her name is Jade Simmons. Jade, first of all, hey, Jade. Hello. Okay. Can I read? I never do this. I think I've only done this once in like 10 years of interviewing history, but I want to read. I actually want to read your bio. I, could I read it? The one that's on the back of your book? Is that, that's a shorter one, right? That's yeah, it's a shorter one on the back of the bio, okay. on your book. Okay. Okay. So just hang tight with me, y'all. Listen right, to this. Okay. okay. All right. Jade Simmons is a creator of transformational experiences designed to activate audiences into becoming the biggest boldest version of themselves possible. The world-class concert artist, speaker, and author is also the CEO of Jade Media Global, a revolutionary live experience and content distribution company. Sought after by some of the world's superlative companies, her high-impact presentations have become the go-to fuel for those ready to harness purpose-based leadership, unleash creativity, and create breakthrough-bound lives and businesses. Jade's genre-bending concert adventures span classical, all the way to rap and have earned her the nickname classical music's number one maverick, as well as performances in the White House and the U.S. Supreme Court. No stranger to taking bold leaps in the name of purpose, Jade was also a surprise independent candidate for president of the United States in 2020. <laughs> That's a bad chick. That's a bad <laughs> chick. That's why I wanted to read it. Because I... Cause uh. I, I <laughs> Jade, I had read this. I had read this because um, y'all, first of all, her book's really great. Purpose, the remix. Uh, I had read, I was looking at the back of the book and I and I read your bio and I was like, that's bad. I want to read that because it's just so good. It's bad. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Listen, I used to help other people write their bios. Um, you helped me with mine. I, well, I, I see people like a hundred times bigger than they see themselves. And so... Uh, when you have to do it for yourself, though, it's an interesting, uh, you know, it's an interesting journey. And I rewrote what you're reading after I ran for president because I was like, how in the world do you like, how do you make that work in a bio? Right. Like, oh, yeah. And by the way, in my free time, <laughs> I, I did this little thing over the here. States. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. But, you know, I know we'll get into that. When I, I had literally checked myself into a hotel for a weekend to rewrite my bio. Um, and God had to sort of reveal to me that it wasn't all as random as it seemed, you know? Um, so for me, purpose is that, that through thread. Yes. And so, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about Jade, because, you know, first of all, we've had, when I was doing the kingdom driven entrepreneur podcast, I think I had you on like twice or three mm -hmm. times or something like that. We've had many conversations, but, um, this conversation that I want to have with you today is really around purpose from a kingdom lens, you know? And so mm -hmm. that's what I want to dig into, but for the benefit of those who just, that don't know you and this is the first time that they're connecting with you. Take us back. So we're talking about purpose, but I want to hear a little bit about your, your background journey that led to discovery of remixing this idea of purpose. Like, so give us yeah. some background. Yeah. And you know, when I think about it, I think I only actually did your official podcast once, but you and I have had so many conversations that I wish were recorded. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to make sure I, I want to tell uh, things in a way that I might not have ever told them before. That's why I love being able to speak to you. And as you were talking, I saw uh, P tends to be my favorite letter in terms of alliteration. And so I'm seeing kind of a, 
um, a path here between a piano, which is really my start, and then passion, which is which is the fuel um, that I often run with, and purpose. And so when I go back to the beginning, it really for me was about uh, this instrument. For those who are watching, uh, these eighty-eight keys, this piano that I'm seated at, and my husband sort of said in a very prophetic way, even though it did not come off prophetic at the time, he said, you know, look, babe, um, I'm not sure this piano thing is going to be the thing. And I'm like, dude, listen, I'm married to this instrument before I'm married to you. You need to be real careful. But you know, where are you going with this conversation here? And he, I think, saw the look on my face and was like, no, listen, listen, here's what I think. He says, you know, your piano's great. You're awesome. But I just think that the piano is going to be the thing that opens doors to where you're actually supposed to go. I don't think the piano is going to be the only thing. You know, when you work so hard in your passion, that's kind of hard to hear. Right. Because that's the only thing I wanted. Why wouldn't it be the only thing? And man, he was preaching all the way back then. This, this piano has gotten me into rooms that I'm not sure I would have been invited into otherwise. Right. Uh, but ironically, once I'm in the room... The piano is sort of only the icing on the cake, you know. So in the beginning, it really was just about becoming a musician, a classical musician. Um, and I was passionate about that. Uh, and over time, I became more and more passionate about the people in the room, uh, which which really caused me to speak to them and to connect to them beyond the notes on the page. Uh, and that opened up its own wonderful can of worms uh, that, that <laughs> where I am today really uh, is because I got passionate about the people in the room. Another P, by the way. Another P, right? I'm telling you that 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 for for a long time now that letter keeps popping up for me. So I think for people to really understand how serious it was with this piano, because I mean, yeah, this wasn't just this isn't like, hey, when I was four, my parents gave me piano <laughs> lessons and they forced yeah. me to take piano lessons until I was twelve, and so I have this piano history and I like the piano and sometimes I play it as a hobby in my house. This was not your piano journey. So I'm going to need some. Yeah. I'm going to give you some meat. Yeah. On that, give right? us some meat on that piano bow. Cause it, I think it helps to provide even more context for this journey that you've been on. No, thank you for that push. Because I, I was doing a show yesterday or the day before yesterday and a black woman put in her stories on Instagram. She had a, a video of me playing and she said, wow, this is so rare. She's like, I'm watching a black female classical concert pianist. And I'm, she's like, I just, I didn't expect this. My mind's blown. And it's one of those things, Shay, you know, you're just doing what you do. Right. And you forget, you forget how God has placed you. Um, oftentimes to be a unicorn in the rooms that you're in. I, right. I, I am hardcore about my Mozart, my Beethoven, my Chopin and my Rachmaninoff. Um, I started playing classical piano very late, started playing piano late, but as soon as I got there, you couldn't get me off of it. I had this innate connection to classical composers even before I had learned how to play them. So in classical, I can think of a good metaphor now, but in, in my world, you learn the music, but you learn how the composer would have wanted the music played. Mm. And, and each piece of music is set in a certain time period. We're talking about music from like the 1700s, right. 1800s, 1900s. And you learn how to play Bach and Beethoven, how we think they would have wanted them to be played. But even as a little girl, before anyone taught me how to play Rachmaninoff, I just knew how it was supposed to go. I just knew how Mozart was supposed to go. And when I would win competitions as a little girl, the comments were always about how I 
express the emotion of the music. Mm. Oh man, you know, I was like wiser than my years in terms of the emotional interpretation. But I was also behind the curve in terms of technical development. So um, to this day, my heart um, (laughs) is always running way ahead of where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing stuff I have no business doing. I I needed to learn something first before I do it, but I didn't believe that I just dove in. And that I've always been that way. And so even in music, I was that way. Um, I've played, as as you mentioned, from the back of my book uh, at the White House. Right. Um, I played in a ceremony at the at the U.S. Supreme Court. I wasn't a slacker. Like I, I was serious business. You know what I'm saying? Like I was serious. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, I was I was um one of the rare ones in the sense that there are a gazillion of us who go to music school. I went to Northwestern University, went to Rice University, um, studied at some of the incredible conservatories for their summer programs. Um, and even the people who are studying at Juilliard, we they're told, now don't really think you're going to come out and actually like make a full career out of this. Mm. Like you might teach, but to be an actual performer on a stage as a solo artist is so rare. Please don't hinge your hopes on that. Right. What people don't understand is if you told me like it's rare and it can't be done, I'm like, bet. Like, where do I sign up? <laughs> where do I sign up? And um, I had a teacher in my master's degree who said to me, I played a recital and he said to me afterwards, he said, Jade, you can do this. Like you, I've, I think you can actually do this. And doesn't sound like a big deal, but ask anybody, if you, if you can find another piano major, they will tell you teachers never mm. say that. It's like a liability issue. You just don't <laughs> say that. You say, listen, you should probably just don't get their teaching. hopes up, right? Don't get your hopes up. And he said it, and I knew if he said it, a guy who played over a hundred concerts a year, who was doing what I wanted to do, I could, I could believe that. Mm. I didn't need him to say it, but him saying it was like, I'm not crazy. I'm not delusional. Right. This is a thing. Um, and that kind of really started, I was going to do it no matter what, but it gave me the confidence of knowing someone who knew what they were talking about, um, who was sought after. If he saw that in me, then I wasn't crazy. I could do this. And so I've had a, a pretty incredible uh, early career. And as I know, we'll get into that sort of splintered in different directions for different reasons, different reasons. But as you mentioned, the piano was, it, it was, it's was serious business and for It was me. not, yeah, it wasn't your everyday foundation in piano. No. But then no, I'm curious, but wasn't. what gave you, and even though I know this story, I don't remember this answer, which was mm-hmm. what, what was the catalyst for you to not, to mix other genres you know, the genre bending part of your classical music to include mm-hmm. rap and other music styles. Yeah. I mean, even now, like recently, you started adding some drumming and stuff like that. So like, what, what was the catalyst for that, <laughs> the remix of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a way that I tell the story on stage when I have, you know, only a few minutes to tell it in. But I think things that I've never really said uh, in this kind of setting before is the truth is, I always was playing around and dabbling, you know, um, piano sitting next to me here. I'd play the Beethoven as it was on the page for an hour or so. But the reason I practiced for hours a day, four, five, six, was because I would then take the left hand and make it into a baseline. I loved hip hop. I loved rap. Uh, growing up, I wasn't actually into jazz and blues much, but I I loved Beethoven. And then, you know, I love Public Enemy or right. Missy Elliott. I was listening to this stuff. Some of my parents knew about some, they didn't. Uh, right. And exactly. And and so, but I, I always loved rhythm. And my father, and I've told this before, he 
always played African drums. We ha- he had African drums in the house and he's an amateur musician, but he was always playing um, African music. He studied in Africa and he used to play, af- he learned African drumming over there. Oh wow! And when I look at my life now, that thread of rhythm, you talked about adding drums, but I was in the drum line in high school. I was the drum major. I wrote the cadences for the bass drum line. I'm the person who's always tapping on something all the time. Um, I didn't know it, but my fingers are actually abnormally uh, bony at the tip. And so if you can hear that. Yes, I do hear that. Just, mine don't do that. I, I, I thought everybody's fingers did. I'm doing it right now. You don't hear a thing. No, and I thought I thought that's what everybody's fingers did. I've got like did. paws, like uh, <laughs> little, little soft paws going on over here. No, mine are like bullets, right? Oh, and so wow. I'm, I, I hear rhythm 24-7. I honestly do. Um, I thank God for my daughter because he gave her to me so I would have somebody else to break out in song and dance with, right? <laughs> and that's, we will stop on the dime and work it out, you know? Oh um, but the, so the truth is, Shay, I, that thread has been there. I just didn't know I had permission another to P. bring all that stuff together. Another B, oh my gosh. There's another book in here. I'm telling you, are <laughs> doing it right now. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know I had permission to bring it all together. So, you know, there was a Jade who listened to hip hop and, you know, a Jade who was in the drum line, a Jade who was in the youth symphony, a Jade who played Beethoven. And I would always keep those things separate. And it wasn't until probably 2008, 2009 that I started saying, what if I brought a little bit of that person over here? And you that's just do it a little change. bit at a time and then just like, oh, that I like the way that felt. Let me add a little more. I did it. I think it probably took me six, seven, eight years to get anywhere close to what you see now. Wow. And now, but now the evolution's quicker, right? So I added a little electronic drum set. Um, and then even still, I play a little piano, then I play little drums. Now I'm like piano, drum on the left, <laughs> rapping on this side. I've seen it. It's really, it's quite fascinating, <laughs> I must say. It's a, I mean, it's, it's an experience. Thank you, ma'am. It's an experience. You, you are an experience, yes. You are an experience. Okay, so you had mentioned earlier about, you know, so the other P, you mentioned piano, and then you talk about people. You, you're in these rooms, and then you start to get like, yeah. oh, okay, well, it's now I'm more excited about the people in the room, which then That's led it. to you talking to people when you're doing concerts, but then now you're talking on stage at corporate, corporate stages at events and mixing the piano yeah. with yeah. the messages that are helping organizations grow and fuel purpose and fuel people within organizations. Yeah, but see, so now we're about to preach another P. Now we're well, now we're gonna start preaching here yes. because this is that point where I mean I'm just now thinking of this for the first time. You think about Jesus and his ministry, right? Those first well many years where he was like under the radar, honing his skill, you know, like teaching in the synagogue, and kind of you know God would bring him out, test him a little bit, like put him in the synagogue or do, and and that's what I feel like the bulk of the first part of my life was. I was getting training in these different areas, uh, even from the Miss America pageant where I um, you know, was a state title holder. And so you're traveling around speaking. Right. I had never officially spoken before, did not even know that was my superior gift. Didn't even know, because I was at the time majoring in piano, right? right? So here I am out speaking and I'm not just speaking to corporations like you were talking about, that's now. Back in the day, I did school concerts. I was talking to kindergartners, high schoolers. And I remember school saying, well, which group do you want? Because they're so different. And you probably don't want the kindergartners. No, give them, give them to me all. 
Um, and I could speak to all those different groups, but I didn't know that until I did it. Mm. And now I'm in these major corporations, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. I could be speaking to a room full of lawyers one day, then commercial real estate, um, and then genetic scientists <laughs> the next day, or weapons specialists. And I love it because I get to shape shift. I get to deep dive into their industry. And my goal is that by the time I leave, even though a piano is on stage with me, they're wondering if I'm actually in their industry. Right. And that comes from being supremely concerned about each individual in the room. Whereas before I was concerned about what those individuals thought about what I was That's doing good. on the stage. Did I look as wonderful as I needed to look? Did I sound amazing? Was I playing pristinely? Right. Was I perfect? And that got in my head and would always cause such stress <laughs> when I was performing. Now I'm just going, okay, that guy in the back still got his arms crossed. Let me <laughs> get at him. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me work on this side of the room. And, and, and I love watching the room kind of break down. I love them laughing and being disarmed completely by humor. And then bam, I can deliver whatever I feel like it is that's going to shift them from where they were to where I believe God has designed them to yeah. go. We speak about God freely here. I'm not usually speaking in terms right. of uh, faith-based topics on stage. 98% of my time, I'm in so-called secular um, spaces. But everything changed when I always say when I went from playing the piano to impress audiences to using as a, a vehicle um, to impact them instead. That's so good. And so that, mm -hmm. that kind of leads us into this this third P around <clears throat> purpose. So if I think about the definition of, of purpose... I guess I don't even know what the dictionary definition of purpose is. Probably like what yeah. the, the thing is it like? Is it about function? A function of yeah, a function. thing? Like what something's the reason? To do? Right? The the reason something is is in existence. The the uh, the objective of a thing or the function of a thing. Yes. Right? And so then when you think kingdom purpose, people most often mm -hmm. would say, okay, well, so why did God create us? Oh, mm -hmm. he created us for a relationship with him to bring mm -hmm. glory to him and honor to him with our lives. That's very true. What else would he say? Jesus said, love God. I can sum up all the, yeah. all the law in these, in this sentence here, but it's really about loving God and loving people. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So that's part of our purpose. That is why all of us as kingdom citizens were created. That's part of that function. And it's like mm -hmm. that and this, and you have this yeah. sentence that this is why it's the purpose, the remix mm -hmm. where I don't want to mess up the words, so I'm going to have you say the words. I know the words, but I might mess them up. So I want you I to say you. the 21 words on purpose, and then I want to dig into it. I will I will do just that. I said this about eight or nine years ago from a stage, didn't think it was a big deal, and it became the thing that any audience I'm in front of, that's the one thing to remember, and it's that your purpose is not the thing you do. It's the thing that happens in others when you do what you do. Mm. Right. So for me, for many years, I thought my purpose was to play the piano. Right. So when you think your purpose is to do a thing, all your time, your energy, your resources, your brain space goes into doing that thing. Problem with that. What if one day I lose the usage of, of one hand, both mm. hands? Do I suddenly not have purpose because I can't play the piano? If I thought my purpose was to be a mom and I'm a mom of two, I'm a wife. 
I get divorced. Do I no longer have purpose? My kids leave the home. Do I suddenly not have purpose? So it always bothered me that, man, this purpose thing seems to get up and walk away whenever, <laughs> whenever it wants to. I can't really be purpose. So when I think about how I thought misinterpreted my purpose as being caught up in these 88 keys, you know, there was a moment I always tell audiences where I started speaking to audiences in between the music and that created a whole different connection and bond. And like I said, a few minutes ago, I became more concerned about what was happening for that audience. Suddenly all the fear and the stress that came with performance evaporated Yeah, because my focus was no longer on impressing them. Right. But now I knew I was there to serve them in a very powerful way. I might have two hours to do it, or I could write a book and do it, or I could hold a mic and do it or I could play on these keys and do it. These things were but the vehicle. Right. The thing that didn't change was the fact that I started paying attention to what was breaking out in the audience. So it's not, for me, it wasn't enough to say, oh, my purpose is people and I love them and I'll serve them. Okay, but how? Right. And I ask a lot of questions all the time. So ask them, how am I serving them? Oh, well, they're enjoying the music, but why? What's happening? And I started listening to the audience and they would say, oh, I feel like, I can do anything now. Mm. Oh, I feel like there was this thing I was supposed to do, but I've been sort of pretending. I feel like there was this thing. Oh, I feel like I've got to. And there was this theme of that my purpose. This revolves around helping people become the biggest, boldest version of themselves possible. The one that I believe God has called them to be. And I get to do that right. through piano through speaking, through writing, through ministry, through coaching, you name it. Yeah, that's so good. Because you think about what God's, the deposit that God has put in every individual. That's why it's like, yes, uh, macro, macro look on kingdom purposes. Yes, you're created to bring glory and honor to God. Yes, you're created to love him and love people. Well, what does that expression of love look like? Like, what is that, that, expression of love. Mm-hmm. What did God put on the inside of you that becomes mm-hmm. the expression of love to others? And I feel like that connects with your 21 That's words. Good. That's good because what you said inside. So there's something he puts on the inside of us right? that creates an outbreak yes. in others. The B so that I, leads to the do, that leads in the thing. That's it. That's it. And purpose is a, is, is a B verb. Yes. So I, I always say we have to make sure we don't confuse it with passion or calling or destiny. Purpose is about who you be, right? Yes. So here's the thing, people go, oh, well, that definition sounds cute, but you just connected me to a whole lot of people that I don't really always wanna be connected to. And I've been dealing with codependency. I get you, I've got it all in my DM, right? People who are like, listen, I'm just recovering from people. And you're now telling me I don't have purpose wow. if it's not about others? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm actually saying that once you discover what purpose is, uncover, because you don't have to go out and find it. It's always been in you. Once you uncover it, when you commit to just being all of who you're called to be, by default, right? you waking up and showing up in a space has purpose all over it. Atmospheres shift. People change. It's why some of us walk in and people stop cursing. True. What happened? <laughs> They're like, oh, I just feel like, uh, oh, you know, they, excuse me. I didn't say anything. Like, I didn't even say anything. There's a, <laughs> there's a standard you carry when you're walking big and purpose. People react, atmospheres react. We know that in the natural and the supernatural. So here's the wild, awesome thing is that 
purpose connects you to people. Right. It also makes you care so much about them that you don't care what they think. Mm. Right. I know I have something to deliver and I'm called to look a certain way when I deliver it. I'm called to speak and behave a certain way. And because that mandate takes precedence, yes. I'm not worried if Shay thinks it's too early for leather and sequins. <laughs> somebody in that room needed to see them leather and sequins to get to their breakthrough. Hold up. So, right, I'm dressing. Come on. Hold up. Slow down. Slow down. Come on. Because there was a whole, there's like a whole, there's a whole sermon in where you're, where you're headed mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. I love what you just said, Jade, because no. there's a package. <clears throat> so some people would look at the, the packaging as the thing. Like, so mm -hmm. there's some people that would do the leather and the hair and the this or the that because they just mm -hmm. kind of aesthetically think that's cool or that's a look or that's a thing. Sure. You know, I like how that looks. But mm -hmm. for you, it's actually connected to who you be. <laughs> and what yeah. you release. So I love that you're like, I don't care if it's six in the morning and you think that it's too early for my pink hair. First of all, every time I see you, your hair is different. So it's like <laughs> so for your pinks, for your pink spiky hair or your yeah. laid down or your long, mm -hmm. like whatever, it doesn't matter. And you don't shift it. Like mm -hmm. it just, this is who I am. It has purpose. Every, how you show up, it the is. intentionality of all the things. It it's is. All it, but, but let's, let me be honest and say, I had to grow into being comfortable with that. Right. So here I am the concert artist, even, even in the music world, we go, oh, well, artists get to be quirky. No, we were classical musicians. Right. So that's right. a very specific look. It is not purple hair. <laughs> um, it's not leather. It's, you know, and I was, I was all about it. I came out of the pageant world. So I have my evening gowns ready to go, my sensible hair. Um, and so even beginning the stretch over there was a little scary. I don't know if the audiences could handle it. Right? right. But then when I moved into the world of corporate speaking, I thought, oh, can I even show up as an artist? I need to go and buy fancy corporate suits and right. I need to have everything in gray and navy and black. And I would pack two outfits. I would <laughs> I pack that. like my sensible suit. Right. And I'm and an and a outfit I had that had these this fringe on the back. And I really wanted to wear the fringe. But I'm like, are the lawyers going to take me serious <laughs> in the fringe? And I'm up late at night. This is what I was fretting over. And finally, God, who speaks to me very plainly, I don't know how he talks to y'all, but with me, it's like, listen, listen, is what he had to say. He said, Jade, why would I have you go into this space and look exactly like them? He said, if they needed you to come in looking exactly like they do, why would they have you? Right. Why would they have you? And it was like that thing broke something off of me. And I understood it wasn't about the gimmick or about the fashion or my preference. Right. It was if I was called to unleash boldness, I had to show up in a bold way. For me, bold translated in some of the things we talked about, leather or sequins or fringe. Right. Because in the corporate world, especially the women in the corporate world, yes. they would always feel like they had to conform in a certain way. And even if they were going to wear sequins to work, just me coming out like that said, wait a minute, you mean I can actually be a little bit more of myself? Right. I can speak up. I can dare to do bold things. I yeah. can dare to unleash my voice. And so when you realize that the mandate is bigger than the cute little mission statement we put on our website, like the yes. mandate is 24-7. That's it. It's 24-7. It's how you show up on social, how you show up in, in dinner conversations, 
how you show up at the grocery store. I mean, it does not turn off if you allow it to be that way. And I dare you to do it because you will never want to go back to living any smaller than than living in purpose 24-7. That's so good. Okay, so that leads to another P, which was Mm -hmm. presidency. Okay, so <laughs> did we run out of time? I think we ran out of time. <laughs> no, we got plenty of time, Jay. We got plenty of time. So here you are doing mm. this work. So you at this point, you have you were pretty secure. This is kind of a question. It's a statement and a question simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But I sense from your story that at at this point of, you know, uh, before 2020, uh, you are already kind of settled into this is purpose. Like I have a sense for mm-hmm. what my purpose is and just the various ways in which that shows up, the various mm-hmm. spheres in which God mm-hmm. has placed me and how I serve those various assignments, et cetera, on corporate stages, doesn't matter the industry, whatever, you know, over here That's and cool. over there at church, you know, ministering over here, over there. Okay. You were, you were solid on this My plate was purple. full. <laughs> right. Yes. That part two. That part two. Yes. P plate full and pretty, pretty, pretty clear on purpose. Mm-hmm. So now when this presidency thing came up, how was it easy, first of all, mm-hmm. for you to resolve that, okay, if this is my purpose, this, what feels kind of wild, which Mm -hmm. is running for, I don't have a career in politics, but yet Mm -hmm. you're calling me to run as an independent candidate for president of the United States. What was that process like for you? Was this an easy translation of purpose into that sphere? And if not, what was the process that God took you through for you to embrace that purpose could be expressed in that capacity. Mm. So one thing I just kind of came to mind for the first time ever, the wild move, it's never been hard for me. It's always been easy for me to say yes. The hard part is me worrying about everybody attached to me mm. having to deal with the wildness. I'm okay. just now thinking about that. I, yes. I actually give the yes pretty quickly. <laughs> My sister says, I free fall in faith. I was saying something like, oh yeah, I love to leap. She's like, you don't leap. She's like, you free fall. And I'm like, well, I guess so. So, you know, and and God knows this about me. He will give me the marching order. He didn't even have to get it out of his mouth. I'm like, yes, Lord. You know, I'm back diving off of the off of the cliff oh and God. might not have even got my parachute on. But, oh, can you throw that? Let me catch that real quick. Um, that's always been easy now that I think about it. And every important trajectory of my career called for a wild, risky move that was against whatever society was saying the norm. Right. So even in classical, when I started to shift things up, um, even as a speaker bringing in the piano, um, even even as a speaker now, I I speak on race. It, I use a lot of humor, but I will all, I always throw racial jokes in, and the HR people go <laughs> right, and and everybody else loves it because I'm just speaking candidly. Yes, because I feel like if we speak candidly, continuously, then we're more likely to have really honest conversations when the time comes because we haven't been stuck yes. in political correctness and all this stuff. And and I would speak about race, gender, politics, religion, 
easily for as long as I can remember. And I would speak about it in the spaces that you weren't supposed to speak mm. about it. And I always thought, why is nobody, we can't, oh, we, we can't, can't talk, talk about, about that. This? Oh, Mad, you know, okay, moving on. Um, my father's a civil rights activist. So I've grown up with a very vocal uh, person in the household. We don't speak the same way. He, he, <laughs> he got different, more colorful language and how he talks about, about these things. My mother raised me uh, very powerfully in the faith, my father as well. So I grew up always being comfortable speaking on these types of issues. And one thing my father used to always say, it's kind of like how we say, if you don't just, don't just talk about it, be about it kind right. of a thing. And when you find yourself complaining about something, nobody wants to hear that. What are you going to do about it? So that's the kind of the end of the answer. If I go back to childhood, I remember wanting to be the first female president of the United States, but I probably was like eight or nine or 10 years old when I wow. felt that way. Somewhere along the line, I wanted to become a classical pianist. And then I thought I'll just become Oprah, right? You know, cause I thought Oprah has more power than everybody, right? She just... She just says, I'm not eating beef anymore. And the stock market drops. Like, that's who I want to be. I'm going to just be Oprah. Because I honestly thought she had more power than the president in many ways. Yeah. Um, And then, as you said, when I finally felt like I was in my groove, I'm like, okay, well, I guess maybe politically that thing will never happen. We'll just focus here. And that's always, that's always when your God (laughs) comes in. It's my God and now. It's, like, it's my God now. It's your God. It's your God. Right? When he comes in and goes, hey, I know you're making the most money you've ever made. I know you feel like you're, you're, you've got, you're, I'm going to need you to come over here. Mm. And so 2016, I was preaching at my church. Uh, that was when you had that wild Republican primary with Donald oh, yeah. Trump. Uh, the head of eBay was running. Oh, I forget his name now. Ben Carson was, I mean, that's right. Everybody and their grandma was running for president right. and hardly any of them were political figures. And I was preaching in church that night and I said, pay attention, pay attention to these interesting figures that God is raising up. And I said, and it may not even be that he's calling any of them to be president. And I said, but I think he's trying to prepare us. So I'm just other believers to prepare us to be called on to do an unusual thing in an unexpected way. <laughs> I'm just preaching up a storm. Amen. People throwing money. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it was a great sermon. <laughs> Did not know I was preaching to myself. That's... <laughs> yeah. So four years later, um, I had banner break banner, a banner year in my business. I made the most money I'd ever made as a speaker. We'd flip my feed or astronomical rate of like 50k per talk and people had said don't do that you'll price yourself out and we had the most bookings we'd ever had i'm like okay this is feeling good we we crossed the seven figure mark um and i was cruising and then at the end of 2019 um i felt led to start shutting down parts of my business just even reliving this i'm like i can't it's like november december I closed my coaching business and it was so hard because wow. these women have been like, where are you going? You're our coach. And you didn't even know why what at this God's time. doing. I, I, I had some inkling, but inkling. I didn't think he was going to have me run. I just thought, okay, we're preparing. And then in 2024, right. Right. You know, you start telling God yes. and then in 2024, yes. God, like, no. And I, and then I started fleecing. Okay. If this happens, then you might be telling me to run. If this happens and everything I put out would start happening. Mm. And I still on December 31st, didn't know what I was going to do. Woke up on January 1st. Um, 
<laughs> and I heard him say, run now. Wow. Run now. What Now, what we didn't know, I'm, and I'm telling him, but I'm making all this money and this is where you wanted me and I'm doing, this is, I'm in calling and purpose right now. And this is called a purpose I'm, disruption. <laughs> and I'm trying to convince him. I don't have, I don't, I don't know where to look for a campaign manager. And then he told me run as an independent, which is the only thing I could have done. Right. I, at this point, was so disgusted by both political parties anyway. And to be honest, I had been courted before by... Um, both political parties, because as a speaker, people would hear me and go, oh, that's interesting. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some people who were Republicans thought that I was a good um, anti-hero to President Obama, believe it or not. Um, we'd actually spoken on some of the same stages, uh, President Obama and I, at different commencements, and people would say, she's even better than Obama. <laughs> Right. And they would, ta they would, I'm telling you, these wow. people are looking I'm right sidebar for later. Yeah. Conversations yeah. 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 Had. Yeah. And I, I've had libertarians uh, come at me and, but I just, no, I'm a professional pianist and a speaker. Right. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And so long story, uh, <clears throat> as short as possible, I woke up on January 1st and I said, okay, father, we'll do it. And I called my team, my business, my, the people who work in my business and said, ah, uh, so yeah, that whole plan we made out for 2020, <laughs> we're actually running for president. And I thought they were going to be like, okay, she's lost her mind. We're out. And they were like, let's do it. Wow. Huh? Yeah. This is your team. Um, the team that is the, for the booking business. Speaking engagements. They are booking speaking engagements, helping me push audacious prayers, the book, um, none of us have any political stuff and, and that's honestly a whole other, that's, yeah, that's um, a whole other conversation episode to, to go into it. No, we have to have it later, but I will say the thing that I was worried about my business father, you know, we got all this business on the line. This is a banner year coming up. COVID-19 hits, right? All my bookings go away anyway. But what I love is he made me commit. Yes before it was like, oh, we might as well do it because we don't have business. So I had to commit when it looked like I had everything going for me in the way that I wanted to go. And then he showed me anyway, <clears throat> this what you weren't even going to be doing that anyway. Um, and, and at the end of that year, I will say you know, my business, the, the revenue was way down because we right. hadn't spoken. And I was so worried that I wouldn't recover from that. And um, fast forward to 2022 was the real banner year twice what we had ever mm -hmm. made. And I believe that that was the reward, honestly, for the obedience of 2019. Wow. I was so, I was hearing so many things. It was like kingdom over I know. your comfort. Oh God. Yeah. You got a couple more books too. Like <laughs> but it's like, but I, I just find it interesting. I was like, it's like a purpose. It was a purpose disruption because we can, we can be completely in like, oh, we're in a groove of, you know, God has like all the pieces are coming together. Like I have a sense for what God's placed on the inside of me. I'm seeing it getting expressed in these different ways. Finally, and finally, finally, it's coming together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, and I will say, Shay, I, you know, I can say this, God knows my heart, um, I feel like I always have to wait a little bit longer than most people, it feels mm -hmm. like, to get to whatever that finally is. And it also seems like when I get to the finally, I don't get to stay there very long. 
So even when I look at all my big breakthrough years, and I, I will always say yes to the purpose disruption, I look forward to them. I get really curious about when the next one is coming. It's about every 18 months. I've been <laughs> um, so I'm always like, ah, get ready. But you're built for this, uh, boo. You're built for I'm it. Built for I'm built for it now. I look for it. Honestly, I wouldn't have life any other way. But when I get there and I warn some of my coaching clients, you don't always, if you're doing breakthrough right, right? If you're saying yes as often as you should and obeying as quickly as you should, that breakthrough plateau isn't always going to be 10 years. I don't think I've ever had one that's lasted more than two solid years before the next disruption comes. Then I usually see a little bit of a down, but then my up is bigger than the last up. Mm. That's our pattern. Yeah. I, I wouldn't write that and say, this is the pattern. This is not the blueprint. <laughs> right. But it's, it's my blueprint. It's been mine. But it's, it's been, been your mine. blueprint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is really good. So I... So I'm thinking that there's some people listening and watching who are like, that's really great that Jade so easily um, hops into the yes of their purpose disruption and, and that when it's things that other people would consider to be super hard, like those wild pivots and stuff like that, that she easily can just say yes and is actually more concerned with how this is going to impact the, impact the people around her. But man, I'm sitting here thinking, Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, God's showing me some stuff around my purpose and where I am and the things that he's calling me to do. They don't feel nearly as big of a stretch as what the stuff that Jade's had to do, but I'm feeling some kind of way on how Mm -hmm. to make, how to navigate my right now and how I'm flowing in the kingdom and purpose and all those things and the thing that God's showing me and how to go from here to there. So for the person who's not wired like you, but is certainly faithful and desires to be obedient and experience God's best and put kingdom over all the things in their life. How do you, cause you're also a coach too. How do you help people kind of navigate that path? What are some of the keys to navigating that path? I mean, you wrote a book on it. Y'all should read it, but like, what are some, what are some of the keys for that path? Oh, your, your listeners are catching me depending on when they hear this. <laughs> they're going to hear this pretty soon. At a t- they're here. Okay, then good. They're catching me at a, a tough time of year. Um, it's it's usually a wonderful time of year, the end of the year for me. I, God gives me all these divine downloads. But this has been a tough season of stuff that looked like it was going to feel like breakthrough. I count it all breakthrough. People say count it all joy. I count it all breakthrough. Right. But it feels more like breakdown. And so I've been having some tough Wait, 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 wait. Slow. <laughs> slow down. Yep, come you on. Just, you just said <laughs> slow down, slow down. You mm-hmm. said, because I just in case some people missed it. You said it, it, you, I, I don't even want to say it. it was breakthrough, but it was breakdown. Say that again. Yep. Okay. So breakthrough and breakdown, they're two sides of the same coin. So I have learned to count it all breakthrough, even when it feels like breakdown. Okay. Amen. Okay. Keep going. I didn't want okay. people to miss that sermon. Yep. Keep going. Yep. I want them to catch that. So um, and I ended last year with the biggest breakthroughs I've ever experienced. I literally felt like finally I felt like Cinderella. Like I was at the ball. I had it all. And then I watched some of it be the enemy. Some of it just be natural stuff that happens. Everything that I gained in the year was systematically attacked for the entire year. So now we're at the end of it and I'm still standing. I'm still coming at you on 10. Cause that's, I, I, I can see what God is doing. And the advice that I would give now, 
I'm because I know your listeners. If they, at least if they've been following you on Facebook this year, <laughs> if they, I mean, they've already got, they might have two or three toes left. So I'm gonna just go <laughs> crunch those three <laughs> for them. Here's what God has been saying. When you say, give me, can we give us some steps and help us? I could totally give you some really wonderful, gradual, um, integrative, uh, incremental ways to go into this lifestyle. But I'm going to tell you what, because the name of this is kingdom over everything. Yep. The answer is this. If you are dead serious about placing kingdom over everything, the only thing you can do in this season is say yes to the hard thing God is asking you. Because when you don't, what you are not really saying, but saying in your action is that kingdom is a little bit under everything else you want more. Because you know your salvation is secure, Come on, subconsciously, we're not really all that worried about whether or not we're placing kingdom over everything because we've already said the big yes. Yes, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Now please go sit down over here while I pursue the life that I want until I go to heaven and then yeah, I'm gonna worship you all day. No, he wants you to worship him all day, every day now with everything within you, not just your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, your business, your vocabulary, your interactions, your relationships, and your choices. So what he's been saying, whenever I whine and complain and say, Father, this doesn't feel like what I thought. And when am I going to get this? He says, what if I never give it to you? What if I never give it to you? Are we still okay? Am I less to you because you didn't make as much money as you did last year? Am I less to you because you're not on the stages you thought you'd be? Am I any less? And I'm telling you, there's a place you get to where if there's any sniff that this thing between you and him is less because you're not getting the things that you believe he promised you, you will sit your butt on the bench. Come on until that relationship is in alignment. Now, guess what? It's not going to happen to everybody. It's why you're going to see some people not giving him any glory, not giving him any praise. And it seems like, man, they are just skyrocketing, but it's not the same for you because you have somewhere along the line made a different commitment. And now it is time to honor that commitment in our obedience and in every action. And we will always, those of us who've signed on to be in the remnant will always be tested in regards to whether or not you truly place kingdom over everything. And I promise you, the more you say yes, it gets easier. I don't know anyone, and this is not me being arrogant, Shay. I'm just trying to be honest here. I don't know anyone who at this stage in life is less afraid of stuff. Your girl is so fearless right now where God is concerned. And because of running for president, when I tell you I could give two <laughs> pennies, <laughs> two petty pennies, zero, two, petty pennies. two petty pennies about what people think about me. I was more insulted in the last, in that year of running for president, 10 months of running for president than my entire 45 years on the planet earth. I was more insulted, more degraded, um, more accused. And my the skin that God has given me, the armor after that, I tell you what, I just don't care. I only care that I'm in alignment with him in every Mine. season. <laughs> <laughs> As it, that's all. There's no more toes. There's no more toes now. And no more toes. We've got nubs for feet. <laughs> Hallelujah.
<laughs> okay. In love, in love, in, love. in no, sheer absolutely. love. Absolutely. And I, I think, in I think love. love was expressed, and love should have should have been felt. If not, uh, we, we're praying for you right now that you receive the love, the love that that was Amen. actually given it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. So <laughs> let me dig a little bit on this because you said some, oh, you said a lot, you said a lot, but like on the politics thing for a second, let's hang mm-hmm. out here for a second. Cause we're going to be, ta- we're going to oh. be talking a whole lot of like political things. Cause that's part mm-hmm. of our culture. We're heading into election season and all the things, right? That's it. And you were running. And so there's a campaign. And so when you have a campaign, you campaign to win. Like you plan to win. You're ex- you're anticipating a win and all of those things. And yet you said something that I want to connect this point. You had said that some of the things like when you're dealing with stuff and the Lord's like, would you be okay if? Like, are hmm. we okay if? And I'm thinking about in the political realm, you and all types of folks who be called into taking positions, you know, positioning self for positions in government and stuff like that, that the heart still has to be, I am campaign, I'm campaigning to win, Period. no doubt. And along with campaigning to win, I still have to hold this outcome loosely <laughs> in the truth that God, God's doing what God's doing. And yeah. if I win, praise God. If I lose, praise God. I won't say it wasn't God. If I lose, nope. I'd say, God, nope. what were you doing in the midst of that? And what was, and, and I'm going to go back and look at what I learned in the process. And dare I say, going back to something else you said earlier, when you were talking about mm-hmm. that, pre- that when you gave that message, when you're preaching to yourself, I think about with all the people that are on this stage and you're like, watch how God's like preparing such and such. If we yeah. have a kingdom over everything perspective, then even in these cases, we've got to look at, it's not even so much, what was the lesson for me and why did I have to run and what did that look like? And God, what were you desiring to do in the earth that my assignment to show up to campaign to win and I still lost made an impact in your agenda on the earth? Bars, bars. She just dropped bars. So here's what's up. You just flipped us from purpose 101, right? Father God, what are you doing for me? What am I doing in this season? Where do you want me? Awesome. You need to ask those questions. There's a whole other level. It's honors and AP. When you're like, God, what do you need me to see that you already see about your people, your world? How how can I be of service? Right. So you're still in it, but your perspective, your lens now is huge. So I am extraordinarily competitive. My husband took me to Scottsdale, Arizona and surprised me with, um, we did this like tactical experience, right. With like, I forget what the, what the gun is called, but I always wanted to be like a super spy, like a Jade Bond or something. Right. And so he knows that about me. We got, we put on the full gear, the camo, we had the guns, we got training and it's me and him and three other couples. I'm thinking we got this. Like we've been together since we were 15. This me and you, we're about to clean these people out. (laughs) When I tell you he was just meandering, I'm, I'm doing, and I'm the one who does all the moves, right? You teach me lean on the side, (laughs) angle the gun. I'm like, she didn't lean on the side. She didn't. She didn't, she skipped a step. That's why her time was, but like, I'm the person. 
Okay. And so we, we were like the worst. Our time was the worst. I had attitude for the rest of the day. He's like, what's wrong? And I'm just like, you didn't even show up. Like you needed to show up. We're trying to win the tactical. So I'm in it to win it. Okay. Even though they tell you an independent has never won, right? George Washington, but an independent has never won. Um, you can't do this without money. You need a party. You need this. You need that. I'm just doing what the heavenly father told me to do. Right. But now me and him have a side conversation. <laughs> now you, right. I got my public. We're just doing what God tells us to do win or lose. But I'm like, okay, God, you got to help me with this because I see what the natural odds are. Right. But you're the God who parted the red sea. You're the God who raised Lazarus. I know if you want me in the white house right now, you snap your hands and it's a done deal. Right. So I need you to tell me now all the ways that winning can happen if it doesn't look like 1600 Pennsylvania. Mm. So not just after the fact or not just as I go, I had a conversation with him beforehand. This is good. Show me what the other initiatives are. What's your goal in this? I love this. My goal is to be, look, picking out drapes right uh, in the white house. Yeah. Now listen, as believers, we prepare in excellence as if there is That's only right. one outcome. That's it. So we had a transition team. I knew who some of my cabinet would be. I also knew who the interior designer would be because normally the first lady does that. I would have a first man who was <laughs> not about to be up in there picking out the drapes. I read up on the process of the daily uh, schedule of the president. I knew how to receive my intelligence briefings, right? I was working on the multiple languages that I wanted to make sure I was at least conversational in for when I met the different world leaders. We were preparing as if. Come on. Now we knew in the natural what the odds were. We held faith until the last ballot sure was counted. I'm a and witness. We did, we were, yeah, we um were, people don't really know this because we weren't covered in the media, but we were eligible to be voted on in 42 states. No other independent candidate has ever done that. We do know because of the debacle with the election, most of the write-in uh, votes were never even counted. Right. That never made the news as well, but we still held in full faith. And then we knew we were going to come out the next day, no matter what, and still be head held high. Yes. So um, let me just say what winning also looked like, what God told me, is how we represented him on the ground. Come on. And so we encountered groups of people that we thought would probably not vote for the openly Christian African-American female. <laughs> and when I tell you the marginalized uh, communities, the LGBTQ community, they were out there wearing our um, One Nation Under God t-shirts. We were oh, like, wow, yeah. Y'all read the platform. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but you know, we, we had a, uh, it was a, uh, uh, I think she was a, it was a gay woman and we asked her, so what's drawing you, uh, yeah. to our campaign? And she said, I have never felt this loved before. Come on. But we said, but okay, we love love, right? We, Jesus is love. But we also do believe certain things. Have you read our platform? She says, I know we don't agree on everything, but I trust that when you make decisions, you would make them out of love for me as a human. That's a win, right? We had people who that is a win. Um, said this was the first time they could go in the voting booth without holding their nose and vote for a candidate that they actually believed in, not just vote against one they were afraid of. 
that was a win because the spirit of fear and division really prevailed, has prevailed for quite some time. So it was like hope system. released. It was hope. We ran on the, we ran on the, on the theme of restoration. Yes, you did. Yeah. Before another candidate who will remain nameless, <laughs> who might be in, who might be in office right now, uh, ran on restoration that that was you could you can google it there's a youtube video of me doing a a response to the state of the union and that's the first time i talked about uh, needing to be a nation of restoration and we saw that be picked up we saw that theme get hijacked because it was a necessary run it's a very necessary right so we know we were heard and i will say after we ran just the love and support we got of people who thanked us for being an, an option for them i spent times in housing projects, um, in different communities, different organizations that I wouldn't have before now. And the perspective I have on what people are dealing with and what they want out of life is so radically changed and so radically different than anything I've ever seen on the news. Um, and I know that most of the nation wants a candidate like what we were offering right. that year. And so that's exciting for me. That was a win. And I'll end by saying, Shay, I'm a master planner. I would have preferred to plan for four years and then do it in like 2024. Right. And if we had done it that way and had asked people, experts, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should run on? Can we get your support? We would have gotten a lot of fake and phony yeses. That's good. And we would have gotten a lot of intel that wasn't actually the truth. So I had to do it. That's good. Right. And so, and God didn't tell me this is practice because he knows I don't like practice. Right. <laughs> that wouldn't have been the word to give to his daughter. Mm -mm. But I'll tell you what, it was, it was divine intel that I couldn't have gotten any other way. Come on. Mm -hmm. And, and you invested in that, <laughs> which is kind <laughs> of an understatement. Uh, you that invested time. Uh, emotional energy and lots of money. Lots. Lo so that banner year. Lots of money after that banner year. That banner year financed my run because COVID hit. That's right. And I didn't feel comfortable asking America to give to a political candidate when they were in the middle of a pandemic. And both the Republicans and Democrats held back for a little bit and then they finally asked. Um, and we had people, we had people, man, who we had a lady who was donating to us out of a fund. Uh, that she got because she was injured in 9-11. Um, and she was a white female police officer who said, this is the most hope I've ever had in a candidate. And we were like, no, don't use your... And she was like, no, this is this is what this money is for. So people donated. It wasn't anywhere near the kind of money that we would need to run a campaign. So I paid uh, for most of my campaign out of pocket. I flew my team around the country sure to all those states to get petition signed and everything. And when I got done, my, my mom who uh, was keeping our books and stuff at the time was just so worried for me. And, uh, <laughs> I had a headache right. one day. She's, yeah, she was like, you know, cause she watched me build my business. Right. And, and finally break seven figures. And so at the end of the year, I had a migraine one day and she came over and I said, Oh, I got a migraine. And she says, what do you think brought it on? I'm like, oh, I don't know. She's like, I know. It's that low bank account. And I'm like, whoa, hey, whoa. You just use my finances. Like, I mean, mom. She, yeah, I'm like, mom, I'm good. Like, you might need to go sit with Jesus on this, but don't bring that to me. I know what my bank account says. And by the end of that year, um, this will sound so wild, we discovered 
six figures, 300 grand that had been in uncollected um, invoices because Come of on. a technical glitch. I mean, and that came a week after she'd had her little panic. And I, what I said to her is I said, mom, listen, you can't tell me that a God that great would ask his daughter to do something that wild and not have her covered. Which right? leads to the last P, mm-hmm. provision. <sighs> won't he do listen, it? Won't he, won't he be who he says he is? Won't that he Jehovah be Jehovah Jehovah thing. the one who sees, goes before, and makes provision? Being provision it's, himself? Won't he, won't he do that and be that? I read years ago uh, this one verse in a way that I'd never seen it before. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the challenge God gave me is I, I dare you to take that as an 11th commandment. I dare you to not want anything. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. So I'll tell you today, most of my prayers, I rarely am ever praying for something I want or need. Cause I, he already told us he's got that covered. So when the bank account gets low, like it is this year, because we, we had all these breakthrough projects, right? A new studio, a bigger team. I'm like, oh, that stuff looks good on paper. The breakthrough. Right. Breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> the breakthrough. Yeah. Oh, breakthrough. Um, and I'm just like, okay, God, well, what do you have in store? What are you about to do? It's like Hezekiah. I'm going to hand you this right here, father, this bill. You take that one. You must have a plan. And there's something that happens when we, unequivocally believe he is who he said he is without question. He shows up. He shows up not because he has to prove it, but because he is, he is, he just is, he is is provision. He doesn't provide. He He is is provision. provision. Yeah. And then again, he hmm. says, and so what? And so what if I don't, you have me and I'm the greatest gift you could ever have. How could you ever want or need anything more? Selah. Amen. (laughs) This has been so good, which I knew it would be. It's always good when we get together. Mm. How do people connect that want to learn more about you? First of all, y'all, I know I said it twice and I meant it. I'm going to say it a third time. One for the father, one for the son, one for the Holy Ghost. Uh, Y'all pick up this book uh, by Jade Simmons, Purpose, the Remix, a mind-blowing re-understanding of purpose and how it works. How do people get connected, Jade? Because we're talking about perfect purpose so specifically, I want them to go first to purposetheremix.com because you can kind of start your journey there of uncovering what purpose has always been for you, but now you get to intentionally and boldly walk out uh, in it. Please do get the book, not just because I said it, there's an audible version as well, uh, but I really believe that if we can unleash more people in purpose, there are gazillions of solutions that are yet to be unleashed because of that. And I'm easy to find online. JadeSimmons.com has all my social handles. I love hanging out on Instagram at official Jade Simmons as well. I love it. And I love you. Thanks for being with me today. I love you too. I don't want it to end. We got to do it again and again and again. again. (laughs) Bye y'all. Jade and I will continue our conversation. (laughs) See you next time.